if it's something that you've never been through before, you may not get the self-care right every time, every day. So forgive yourself for that and really check in with how you're doing. Try to take that moment to pause where nobody needs you for anything. Where the only person who's putting a demand on you, so to speak, is yourself. We need those moments. That's the voice of my guest, Dr. Denham Wilkes. Dr. Denham Wilkes is a licensed clinical psychologist with over 15 years experience in the treatment of acute and chronic psychiatric disorders in children and adults. She serves as the chief experience officer of one of the largest hospitals in New York City and has a passion for mentorship. An ordained elder, Dr. Denham Wilkes is in ministry with her husband, Pastor Wilkes, and they are the parents of a terrific two-year-old son. Dr. Shauna, thank you for joining the What A Word podcast. Thank you so much, Ryan. It's so great to be here with you. So I'll start off with a question that everyone probably asks you during this time. How is the doctor doing? That is a great question. And uh, I don't always answer it because I don't think people are really prepared for the answer. So I usually just say, okay. It's so layered. And I think that people just want to know that their healthcare providers are doing basically okay. And so that's true. I'm doing well enough to function. These are uncertain times and what many may realize is that you serve a large hospital as a psychologist. Mm -hmm. What many may not be aware of is that you're also a part of a large faith community as well. So I imagine this season is probably very busy for you. It has been. And in my role at the hospital, I bring a psychologist's lens to how patients, families, and employees work together. So the strategy of impacting the culture in a time like this has been just mind-blowing. We've had to innovate on the fly, um, really try to throw a lot of things at the situation to see what works and uh, be able to quickly pivot. I mean, quickly pivot. In the first probably 75 days of the pandemic's heavy, heavy presence in New York, I worked 70 days. And that was something that... um, I can't even begin to describe, really just supporting um, how we manage this thing that none of us have ever experienced before. And that has like turned everybody's life upside down. So there's no playbook for that. We're writing the playbook now based on what we did then, because unfortunately we're bracing for what will happen in the future if there aren't effective treatments um, that can really address the underlying issues in a very effective way. 
So we're, we're using what we learned during that time to write the playbook for what we anticipate based on the data is going to be a very rough flu season in the fall and winter. And then, as you said, in our faith community, that's been a major shift as well. You know, grandma and grandpa had to learn how to branch out from WhatsApp and use Zoom, which does provide its moments of levity, but also the just devastating impacts mean that, you know, when we get back in the building, they're gonna be familiar seats without those familiar faces. And that has been something very challenging to manage as well. I was on a group chat today just to touch on something you said. And one of the things we highlighted or came to the conclusion about was when the smoke clears, like you said, we're going to hear some stories that will probably blow our minds. Notwithstanding Absolutely. what we've heard already, but the unknowns yeah. too, you know? There, there are definitely things that people have not even begun to tell or they've only told the people in their immediate environment or someone hasn't asked the question yet that's gonna you know trigger that that particular story to be shared so and i think that that's a very important thing that you know with the prevalence of social media we are writing things down but we're not memorializing them i think in the way that um will really impact history. So I'm really hoping that people will, will journal this experience, whether it's through methods like this, through podcasts or, you know, writing articles or writing posts or, you know, actual journaling or blogging or whatever. I think we really need to capture this experience and, and try not to forget. Agreed. What's your day like professionally at work? Mm -hmm. So my team expanded from 15 people to about 60 people in the span of a couple of weeks. Once things got very intense, we brought on um, a lot of temporary staff to help to um, do some of the new jobs that no one knew you would need um, so that our clinical teams could really be front-facing to the patients and get things done. So I always had a team that worked 24 hours, seven days a week, um, but expanding that by such a large percentage meant that you know sleep was kind of kind of optional so um checking in with the schedule checking in with the people who worked the night before checking to make sure that those who are coming on in the morning have the supplies that they need including ppe personal protective equipment that they are able to start their roles seamlessly hand off from the previous set of people, pick it up. And then uh, 
there are a series of key meetings that we have at set times throughout the day to make sure that operationally we're not missing anything so that the key leadership is meeting to go over what happened or what needs to happen and plan for the day in what we call the command center. So during emergencies, disasters, pandemics, um, governments, hospitals, other first responders, essential workers usually have a emergency planning hub with key persons. And we drill for these kinds of things, Ryan. We practice for these kinds of things. We have all kinds of um, experiences where we simulate these kinds of things. But let me tell you something. Those simulations, they're just, it's just nothing that can prepare you for something like this. So we have to meet together and make sure that all the different um, operational pieces are being addressed as far as we can anticipate them or bring them to light. So I have uh, those series of meetings at the start of the day, at the middle of the day, at the end of the day. And then I'm checking on patients, I'm checking on staff, I'm checking on our equipment because now we've brought in a lot of technology. Being a patient right now is so different from what most people have experienced in the past. You know, even for staff, although we try to make sure nobody is alone, it just can't replace having your family come to visiting hours and bringing you things from home or keeping you company. You know, the church people can't come in on the weekends and have their visitation. They can't do any of that. Um, I was talking to a colleague of mine today who is a physician and she was in the hospital and she, I asked her, cause now I ask everybody, what was your experience like? And she just said that there's just nothing to compare to it. So checking on all those groups of people, making sure that the technology is working, troubleshooting that and fielding a lot of calls and going to a lot of Zoom meetings. That's basically what my professional day looks like. And you're likely seeing the range of emotions from mm -hmm. frontline workers, staff mm -hmm. included, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, healthcare workers are going through a lot. I have a cousin who was listening to me on um, an Instagram live that I was doing and he called me and he said, we got to talk cause, because what you describe of what you're feeling or not feeling and what others are going through reminds me of when I was deployed, when I was in the war zone, when I was having combat related stress disorder, which is what they call it in the military before you have post-traumatic stress disorder, right? He was like, you know, I'm really, really concerned about what you're expressing that you're going through. So definitely we have been trying to hold space for staff to express themselves, to um, decompress, to leave the hot zone, to take off the PPE, to symbolically remove all of that stuff, to sit down, to eat something, to 
do the aromatherapy, to listen to some meditative music, to make a phone call, to have something to drink, whatever it takes for them to be able to go back to continue the work. But we also have to be careful. We can't take the lid off the pot fully and stir the gumbo because they have to go back in. And so it's to make sure that for staff who um, are making that decision about whether or not they're at a point where they can continue or not, that we can identify those persons and pull them off the line. Because we know that there will be a lot of fallout if we leave them at the front when they're definitely showing signs. And it's not easy because people, even though they did not sign up to put their life at risk in this way, they care about the patient and they also care about their team members. And they do not want to leave their team members, even if it means that they're putting themselves in more psychological harm. They feel awful if they have to take a break and they feel like they're leaving their team by themselves to deal with whatever they're dealing with. But the pace at which we have been going is unsustainable for a human being. And so we are always thinking and talking about how do we help the healers to heal? Because their ability to be whole enough is very important. There's not, we use robots, we use computers, we use all kinds of technology, but nothing replaces a human being, right? So at the end of the day, we still need our team members and we gotta take care of them. So that, that is a lot of the work now. How do we take care of each other? We'll return to our conversation with Dr. Shauna after a short word from one of our sponsors. And to our faith community, there are a number of, as you indicated, unchartered issues that have come up and members are dealing in, I guess, various ways. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm watching even pastors and leaders as well as the members who are in the pews. You know, if your identity is really tied up into what happens as part of our faith community, then right now you're like at sea. Things are very much structured in our faith community. Like the liturgy is set, right? Our week revolves around getting back to that place where we're glad to be in the service one more time, in the church service one more time. Um, so touching and agreeing. Touching and agreeing. And, you know, greeting each other with a, a brotherly kiss and a hug and, you know, all of that. And um, there was a post that I was looking at in a group that I was in that talked about, you know, when you were 16 and it's Friday night, what were you doing? And I'm like, I'm at choir rehearsal, you know, for years and years and years. That's what is very much um, structured 
to not only just be about the participating in the service, but participating in this culture. So, you know, having to deal with all of these changes has been overwhelming. And you're also seeing, I think, the gaps where we haven't put things properly in place. Those structures that you would have needed for a time like where um, some places have been able to pivot better than others in terms of certain aspects. So that scrambling to try to get things in place, you know, is, is working in some places better than others. I'll give you an example. Um, in terms of um, children's ministries, that's a great place to, to see it actually, right? Where if your children's ministries resolve, revolved around like the children's story time, right? And you didn't have like a, a cohesive network, then keeping in touch with your you know, population of children, if you don't have that in place, that's gonna take a lot of work on the other side of this to get back together. And, and so that's an example that comes easily to mind because you know, even for, for my particular faith community, we're really looking at the way that we do things and trying to figure out how we can be more effective to keep that connection And even um, the praise and worship, we've discovered not all praise and worship teams, ministries are created equal. That's right. So even for churches that were broadcasting before, a lot of people had church, church services that were streamed rather than a broadcast, right? So um, you're doing what you're doing in the building and you're allowing people to peek in rather than crafting it for a viewing audience. And so you definitely find that um, there are a lot of things that don't translate well when it's just moved to the um, streaming sphere, right? So I think that if people are reflective, if they're really into process improvement, if they're really into reviewing what they're putting out there, and this is applicable to both my work setting and my faith setting. If people are really reflecting, if they're practicing, if they're thinking about how effectively to deliver the care or the message, then there's gonna have to be some adjustments. I don't think that that's wrong. I don't think that it's, um, you know, the time to say, well, we got to use the willing. I think we have to use the most effective. Another area of concern has been not only the emotional, mental, spiritual impact, but also the financial fallout for people who were already living on the margin, so to speak. Mm -hmm. The faith community has the entrepreneurial spirit which requires contact with people which requires traveling transporting yeah 
those things are of high concern for for members like myself who mm-hmm. are and it's private for most people so as i said we'll probably learn after the smoke clears and we're learning some things now but we'll probably learn more about maybe the interpersonal relationships as well i think that people including us in healthcare really thought that this thing would hit us hard and then it would kind of blow over. I do not think that we really understood how long we would be in this season and what it would impact and the decisions that would have to be made as a result of um, how how widespread the impact of the pandemic has been. So I agree with you that individually, you know, people's households and in faith communities, that financial impact, you know, we were talking in, in at work today about some of our favorite stores that will be closing. You know, you can name them. I'll just name a few that we were very concerned about. Lord and Taylor, Pier One. Victoria's Secret's going to close a bunch of stores. I mean, this is a game changer in a lot of ways. A lot of brick and mortar that was hanging on by a thread or running a really expensive overhead game is not going to survive this. And uh, I am very interested to see what happens in our faith communities as well. You know, if I, I work in Brooklyn, and one thing you can find in Brooklyn is a church right of every kind some from the 1800s some you know that if you if you blink you're gonna walk by it on your way to the bodega you know all and every kind of church in between so how does that structure in the way that we were doing things before look like you know people are gonna really have to have frank and honest conversations. And that's just about the finances. We're not even talking about the feasibility of reopening. And are you really, if you're in a building that you don't own, are you really gonna reopen, go back in and pay whatever the rent is there to only be able to have, what, 20% capacity? So I'm very interested to see how churches decide how they move forward. Are we gonna start to see what many people talked about before in terms of congregations, you know, consolidating um, instead of being so many and diffuse? I really wonder what's gonna happen. I'm very interested to know. Because I know that there are some things that I have really come to enjoy about this time period, but I understand that there are some real financial consequences to our churches in terms of maintaining those physical structures and if if we're not meeting in the same way. And we touched on the babies a little bit, the children who are coming into unchartered territories as well. They've never, as their parents, never have experienced what we're experiencing now. And they're getting homework, they're getting Google Classroom, I, I, for, I can't keep up with all the software 
parents have to keep up with to keep up with the work. Yes. <laughs> but one of my concerns has been what must our children be processing during this time? And it may be mixed in different homes, but how are parents or individual guardians supposed to address some of those concerns? And this is definitely a big concern of mine, you know, as the parent of a toddler, um, and just thinking about how we understand how children are experiencing this, and they're watching, and they're learning, and they're listening, and they're absorbing, and they're trying to make sense of it just as we are, right? And they notice the shifts in us, they notice the changes in their routine, and um, it can be very um, challenging for our children, right? Our little ones are, you know, if you were telling your little one, before this to watch the screen time and now screen time is most of what you got right in terms of their learning or structuring their day or just even occupying them because you know screen time does work let's be real so how children are dealing with this is something that parents really do need to pay attention to and i tell parents all the time play is children's work right? So we have to really watch how they're playing because you will learn a lot from how your children are playing. Are they playing? Um, is your child who used to follow the rules all of a sudden cheating now? Or your child is um, using their dolls to act out washing their hands or, you know, cleaning stuff when you first get in. Um, you know, uh, how are, if you watch your children play and listen to the language of their play, it will reveal so much to you. And then as they get, a, as they're a little bit older, especially those who had a level of autonomy before this, for our teens and our, our, our adolescents, this is, this is not the easiest thing for them to deal with, you know. And so that's a challenge as well for parents to navigate that teenage energy and teenage attitude in terms of keeping them safe as well. And for parents who aren't savvy with the software and the mm -hmm. course requirements, should they be a little nicer to themselves and not be so tough on themselves and in turn the children? I definitely agree that they should have some grace and some patience with all those involved, including themselves as well as their children. It's not easy. And people think being at home and working from home is a walk in the park, but it's not, especially when you have to do your work and um, monitor the children and you know all of that as well that's very challenging i was speaking with a colleague of mine today you know very accomplished woman and she was just talking about what it's been like for her and her children and what they have noticed and how she's had to make adjustments in what she is requiring of them and really pay attention to just how much everybody can tolerate and sometimes say you know let's throw the schedule out the window today We'll get back to it.
And we got to give commendation. I, I call them the content creators. You highlighted those who are on Facebook Live, Instagram Live, in these social media spaces, giving mm -hmm. encouragement, information. And I got to shout out the versus, the versus uh, medium as well. Yes. That's, that's been saving lives one person at a time. <laughs> exactly. Whether the sound is good or not, whether the picture is clear or not whether they can meet the digital level of the beanie man of Montekilla recent wonderfulness right it's still been just a really powerful way to connect right in the way that only music and music culture can really bring people together millions of people sitting in one place right you know engaging in this activity and trying to figure out who's you know who's on top and who should battle next has just been man the culture man i just have to tip my hat to that because that has been incredible so definitely you know there's been content that has been created that is i hope will never go away um and i think that that's just the the beauty of the human spirit to really champion the situations that we find ourselves in and to innovate because it really took a time when we were all sitting still and under these circumstances for something like versus to be created and to thrive and there's going to be a lot of things like that agreed and shout out to the the preachers of the gospel who've had to speak to people's experiences during this time, even though they themselves have been challenged by it as well. We've seen some of the resilience and the, the best of humanity during this time as well. Yeah. And, you know, to be um, someone who is tasked with um, addressing people's souls and um, their spiritual future while you are in the midst of it as well is no easy task so you know to see people just really grappling with that man and just you know really expounding and you being able to see and hear some really powerful messages um there was a series last week and i was just amazed by the connections that the preacher made to the situation that we're in it was such a parable like experience right because the parables really take you from something that you can relate to in your everyday life to that higher plane and this series really the speaker really embodied that and um i just was just i had to be there every night just to listen and really find a lot of hope and connection and like yeah there's some grace for me in that yeah there's some peace for me in that wow there's something that i can really hold on to and meditate in these challenging times and last but not least i want to thank the the creative spirits in our churches who've notwithstanding the inability to meet on 
nights to practice praise and worship have been so creative with getting people together and on Zoom or on whatever software it is and to provide authentic worship songs during this time as well. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So as, as people who love music, you and I, like as people who understand what it takes to make something impactful that people react to when it comes to singing and music, that is, I definitely vibe off of that too and really take my hat off as well to people who have really just put things together that just, you know, you're just blown away by the limitlessness of the human ability to create when it comes to music. And um, I really am inspired by that stuff and I love listening to it, you know, and watching it as well. And it's not as, it's they, they often, the good ones make it look effortless. And those are the ones, you know, took a lot of work to be so well done so that when it's delivered, it just like it's right on your block. It's right on your street. And you're just able to tra have a transcending experience through that music. It's really a powerful thing. So I'm glad that people are using the various technology to continue to reach people in a way that allows therapeutic work to be done especially in a time when there's so many people who really aren't able to access how they're feeling because we still have to function. Music plays a powerful role in being able to help us to feel in a way that feels safe. And that really allows us to engage with our emotions, knowing that it's finite, right? There's a beginning to the song and there's an end. And we can allow ourselves in that moment to be really, really spoken to and ministered to. You know, it's a very powerful thing and I'm glad for it. Dr. Shauna, you've touched on many aspects of self-care during this time. And I'm sure this is a question up to this point, you've probably gotten asked a million times but what should individuals be doing as best as they can, I'd like to qualify for self-care during this time? If it's something that you've never been through before, you may not get the self-care right every time, every day. So forgive yourself for that and really check in with how you're doing. Try to take that moment to pause where nobody needs you for anything. Where the only person who's putting a demand on you, so to speak, is yourself. We need those moments in the day. If you're not sleeping, that's not good. You have to really try to look at the reasons why you're not sleeping and to work on that because sleeping is coping. Sleep hygiene is very important. If you're sleeping too much, well, if your schedule's been disrupted and things are not the way that they used to be, you might find yourself sleeping a lot, but if it keeps going and keeps going and it's excessive and you're really not being able to get anything done, 
you gotta t check yourself on that too. Um, if you're gonna be into the quarantine eating, the pandemic pie, you're gonna get pandemic pounds. So you wanna make sure that you're moving, that you are getting that. You have to, you have to say to yourself, even if it's five minutes, I can move for five minutes. So definitely take care of yourself physically because your mind and your physical body are connected and what you do there can really help you to cope and to function. If you're having thoughts to hurt or harm yourself, you gotta reach out. You gotta reach out. You gotta call someone you trust. If you know you have a plan, you gotta call 911. Call a suicide hotline. If you know that you need some therapy, there is free therapy available in over 200 languages. If you go to Thrive NYC or NYC Well, you can get connected to resources there any time of the day or night, which I'm really happy to see that it shows that, you know, we really could have had that before, right? We really could have had accessible um, therapy that could meet the needs of everybody, body, regardless of their ability to pay. But woulda, coulda, shoulda, I'm just glad it's here now. You know, reach out to, don't suffer in silence, reach out to people, um, you know, connect. My bestie and I made a plan. We're gonna go to um, get ice cream and she'll sit in her car and I'll sit in my car and we'll have us a good key key and I am looking forward to that thing, right? Um, so make sure that you take care of yourself. You know, you're hydrating, you're doing all of that. You're keeping your environment clean and yourself clean. Listen, if you've been in the same clothes for three, four days, self-care requires that you wash, okay? You have to take care of the structure that you're in in order to give it its best chance to function. And remember that those in your life who are looking at you can learn a lot from how you um, function in this time, especially if you're able to say, to put a name to what you're feeling and to deal with that in a way that shows others that, you know, I can, I can name what I'm feeling too. And once you are able to name what you're feeling, have a plan for dealing with those feelings as well. We'll have time to get our nails done professionally. We, have, we will have time to go to the salon. I promise you, we will have time to do all those things again. But there is an extensive a number of ways that you can take care of yourself. And what works for me may not work for somebody else, but it's that flexibility to pivot and every day do something for which nobody requires anything of you. Dr. Shauna, thank you so much. A lot of great takeaways. Thank you for your time. Thank you for what you do. We, we appreciate you. Thank you for being a guest on the Water Word podcast. Thank you so much. It's okay for me to go ahead and keep it completely 100 with you today. It is not until the mess hits our doorstep or it hits the fan in our house 
Do we momentarily awake from our unconscious state to cry out for grace and mercy? Hear me. I could not stand before you today without having lived the reality of this truth. Hear me. I am standing before you today from the inside perspective, not from the outside looking in. Because you can't feel my pain, relate to my struggle, or hear my story from the outside. I stand before you today from a place of brokenness, from a place of pain, from a place of falling and getting back up, from falling and getting back up, from falling and getting back up. I stand today before you from a place of living unconsciously. And I got there because suppressing the madness was easier than actually dealing with it. To revive, to restore life or consciousness, to revive, to regain life consciousness or strength, to revive, to give new strength or energy, to revive. I'm blessed, extremely blessed, that God has afforded me the opportunity for a revival in my soul, that he took my brokenness, my pain, and saw me through each and every day, that even when I had given up, that even when I had thrown in the towel, even when I decided that life wasn't worth living, he continued to wake me up, morning by morning by morning, new mercies, because he created me. And he who begins a good work in you will see it through until the very end. Hear me. To live unconsciously is to miss the purpose of your creation. The day he thought about you and began to form you from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet. He outlined a great design just for you. He mapped out a plan and impregnated you with a gift. He designed you with greatness in mind. You are the head and not the tail. He knew, he knew, he knew that the journey he laid out would get crazy sometimes that at times it would bring you to the point of completely letting go. But even in those times, he has mapped out a safety net to catch you, my God. I need you to hear me. I know, I know how easy it is to live in a constant state of comatose, to live in a constant state of unconsciousness. But that is not the purpose of your creation. You were born for greatness. You were designed to be blessed. You were born to mount up with wings like eagles. You were born to run and not fade. I need you today to stand in the truth of who you are and to pray a revival in your soul that every chain that binds you from standing in your greatness be broken and forever passed away to revive. Amen to restore our life, our consciousness, to revive, to regain life consciousness and strength, to revive, to regain strength or energy. Hear me, you've got this because he has you. Amen. Amen.